So friends, uh, four weeks ago, we began our sermon series entitled Awaken, to your goodness, to your life, and to your God. In this series, uh, for the last four weeks, we have been trying to uh, redefine our starting point, knowing that if we begin with goodness, the goodness that we were created uh, in by God, that it changes everything. This Sunday, what we want to do is uh, we're going to try something a little different. This sermon is going to feel like a capstone sermon of everything that we have discussed, but we want to um, sort of pull back the curtain and give you an understanding of where this sermon was born and to pull back the curtain on the conversations that Danielle and I have all the time about this topic. So uh, in a few minutes, I'm going to invite Danielle up and we're going to sit down just like we were uh, at a coffee shop or if we were uh, in an office and have a conversation about um, the text, about this series, and hopefully invite you all in to uh, live this good life. If you are like, wait a second, I'm a Presbyterian, the sermon moment is a standalone thing, how's this going to work? There are papers in the back that are an outline of where we're going to go. And so the good news is uh, you will see the questions that we're going to answer. And uh, if you want to jot down notes of something Danielle says, because she is going to say something brilliant and it's going to blow you away, um, there is a place where you can do that. If there's a question that you're like, wait a second, I've never even thought about this, I would invite you to write that down on the piece of paper as well. Um, Our conversation is going to be rooted in uh, the Gospel of Matthew this morning, the fifth chapter, and we know the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Matthew to be the Sermon on the Mount. Now, some scholars say that the Sermon on the Mount wasn't this moment where uh, Jesus sat everyone down and said all of these things at once. Some scholars say it's sort of like uh, Jesus's Netflix special. Like, it's like the, the bits that just killed in other places. And they get put in one place because they were so good. You all know this to be true because you know this text from the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter. I would invite you to listen for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. Jesus said to them, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way... Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Awaken us, O God. Awaken us to your spirit that hovers here. Here in Founders Hall, just as she hovered over the waters of creation, Reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words that they would be your word to us here and now. And breathe new life, O God, into the words of our mouth, into the meditations of all of our hearts, that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God. For you are our rock and our redeemer. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. So in 2014... Uh, We were living in Atlanta. It was me and Olivia and Sarah. We didn't have Elliot then. 
Uh, Sarah was working at Piedmont Heart Hospital and she worked three 12s every week. She worked uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, which uh, looking back on it was an incredible gift because it meant that uh, Olivia and I, who was an infant then, uh, we got to go and have all of these adventures, just the two of us. And we would do all kinds of crazy things, like go to the grocery store, which was um, an adventure then. Um, but we would go to the playground, and we would go to brunch, and it was amazing. But uh, we were first-time parents, Daniel. I don't know if y'all did this. Uh, we are the type of people who like a plan. And so we did this whole uh, sleep schedule, and we were religious <laughs> about it. Did that work for you? <laughs> I don't know. It meant that Olivia slept in eight. So yes, it worked for there us. But on Saturdays, what that meant was Olivia uh, would sleep a lot. Babies need to sleep a lot. And I will never forget my friend, Lauren Sharstein, uh, is one of my friends that is like a hero of mine. She texted me and said, I just read one of the most incredible books. It has changed my life. And I think that you're going to love it. And I'll never forget, I went to... Uh, the mailbox one day, and she had sent me this book, Tattoos on the Heart by Father Gregory Boyle. And I crack uh, the pages one morning um, when Olivia is down for her nap, and I couldn't get enough. Like in these pages, it awakened in me, gave words to what I knew to be true for so much of my life, but it mm. felt like it was out of reach. I'll never forget that Saturday during Olivia's uh, nap schedule, I read the entire book. I laughed and I cried. And Father Boyle, I'll never forget this line, uh, interpreted Matthew 5. Hmm. And he says in Tattoos on the Heart, he says, uh, I like even more what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say one day if you try real hard and achieve that you will be liked. He says, no, straight out. You are the light of the world, waiting only for you to discover it. When I read those words, I like had to shut this book. And like even now, I feel the emotion sort of mm. creeping up. I was like, oh my gosh. We don't have to prove that this is true. And it, that changed everything for me. It changed everything for me. Yeah. Um, it's funny all the years that I've been talking about original blessing with people after I wrote my book, um, there've been two responses. One has been, I had no idea that this was true, but I just feel like something awakened in me, you know, could this be true? Is it too good to be true? And then the other thing that I've heard people say is I knew it. I'm not sure if they're even a different answer. I think it's two ways to get to the same truth. But mm -hmm. for me, at least, I remember as a little girl, I just felt this deep closeness to God. Like I was telling Matthew that I grew up in West Texas and I would like climb onto the roof and I would just watch the sunset. And I would just like be having this whole conversation with God, right? And just being like, God, this is a beautiful world that you've made. How lovely this is. And I felt this just deep natural closeness with God. And then I went to church and I felt like everybody was trying to talk me out of it. Hmm. You know, I remember in Sunday school the day that we did Genesis 3 and the lady was like, you know, they separated the girls and the boys. And she was telling us, you know, well, Eve was very bad because of this and this. And I said, 
can you explain to me why Eve was bad? It said that Eve wanted to be like God, not that Eve wanted to be God. Mm. Isn't that why I just got dressed and came to church, is that I want to be like God? She did not like that answer. (laughs) No one has been able to answer that question for me, right? Why is it that later we say we want to be like Christ and this is good, but when we say it about Eve, it's not good, right? So I've been grappling this question my whole life of, what happens if we just continually talk ourselves out of this blessing, out of this sense of that we have been born already in deep relationship with God, that the light is, and that because we are, the light is in us. It just feels like this should be the most natural thing, and that church should be the place where we constantly reconnect to that knowing, right? Even if the world tries to undo that, this is the place where we go where we ground back in it again, where we awaken to it again and again. Uh, two things. One, you sound like a dream to have in Sunday school as a kid. Oh, yeah. Teachers love me. The second thing uh, that I want to highlight in what you said is uh, I grew up in South Carolina. And uh, I tell people in Texas all the time that South Carolina, the in- entire population of the state of South Carolina is less than that of the Metroplex. And so there is this, you just have this sense that you belong to everyone in the state of South Carolina because in South Carolina you do in some way. And this sense of belonging is always there. And yet as a kid, I felt like, and even as a teenager really, um, there were all these uh, theological aerobics to do. Right. That stood in the way of that sense of belonging. So it was all of this uh, theological aerobics to say, well, um, do you believe the right thing? Are you in? Are you out? Are you a good kid? Are you a bad kid? Um, do you follow this strain? Do you not? Are you literal? Or do you not interpret literally? And so there was all this stuff that then gauged the sense of belonging in the relationship. And I think Father Boyle's words, when it said, you are the light of the world, didn't say that those uh, that theology and those gymnastics um, weren't valuable um, to then lead us to this deeper place, but they should never stand in the way. Because it, I will never forget this, the moment of, oh my good, goodness, if I am the light of the world and that is true straight out, who is that not true for? I'll riff on Father Boyle. Uh, Jesus doesn't say, uh, so if that is true for you, it's not true for them. Yes. Jesus doesn't say, uh, you know what? It's only for those who hear it on this mount. No, it's, uh, you are the light of the world. Don't hide that light. Mm -hmm. That moment was free. And the second quote, it came right after that in this book. It's why I've given this book out uh, like Tic Tacs. (laughs) I don't know. I bet if I went back in Amazon, uh, I've ordered 300 of these over the years. I got one on our second coffee. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, if you don't have this book and you want it after this, I'll give it to you. Who who wants it? Um, Because then he says this. If we start from this place of you are light and then you Mm -hmm. see that you are connected to everybody by light, um, it changes everything. Because then you're not starting with judgment. Uh, In a couple pages uh, in this book, Father Boyle says, God calls us to compassion that seeks to stand in awe, A-W-E. God calls us to compassion that seeks to stand in awe of what other people have to carry rather than judgment of how they carry it. Awe and compassion is always where God would have us stand. That moment of awakening of, oh my goodness, we are light, 
and then we view how other people are carrying everything they have to carry rather than judgment of how they got there or how they're carrying it felt more true and more liberating to what it meant to be in the flow of God in all places than anything I had ever known. So then it is, for me, I was a minister during this time. Right. I mean, I had been to seminary. Yes, yeah. And I'm weeping on my couch in like January, reading this book with the notion of, oh my goodness. Jesus is looking upon my life with awe and compassion at all I have to carry rather than judgment of how I'm carrying it. How can I look upon those in the world in the same way? It's like it made the whole thing true. Yeah, well, and what happens if we start to look at ourselves in that same way, you know? We judge ourselves so much more harshly than we ever would do for other people. No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Um, So for me, I think one of the invitations of original blessing that I think is so beautiful is that I think more than anything, as I've figured out how to live into it, it has just omitted hustle culture, just omitted it, you know? Um, what am I, what, what is hustle culture, right? It's just getting on that hamster wheel that I talked about a few weeks ago where you're just avoiding guilt and shame or just trying to do something to work your way out of these things. And once you realize, oh, the light is everywhere and, oh, maybe God looks on me with compassion and I can look on myself and others with this compassion, then you just leave that and it's just about the light being, right? And then you start to see, of course, okay, well, then if Genesis 3 is this invitation, not of God kicking us out of this garden because we were bad, but that God said, good luck. Like, guess what? Now you're a teenager and you're an adult. You have light, you have light and darkness within you and within everything. Go find your wisdom. And if it becomes this journey toward wisdom, instead of this banishment from some perfect place we were supposed to stay in forever, then it's not about hustling to get it right. It's about figuring out how to be with God on the way, no matter where it is that we find ourselves. So when we get it right, the light is shining. And we, when we don't, we have this way through this golden thread to always get us back to that place that's home. To say, where did, I, where did I lose sight of the thread? Where did I lose sight of the light? And how is it still at home in me? And how can I come back to it? And so it just takes away all that sense of hustling and earning that I think pulls us from what true discipleship is meant to be, which is just dwelling with the light. You know, because you can't, if you're hustling, there's no dwelling. And then I think about, like, as you were saying, the people that I look to as my spiritual leaders, like Desmond Tutu, right? He had such trust in himself Mm. and compassion for himself. And that is exactly why he had this beautiful compassion for everyone. It's why he was able to do such beautiful things in a system that was designed to take away the light of other people. The reason he could stand out and speak up against that is because he dwelled in the light. Not that he was trying to hustle to earn it, right? But when I was a kid growing up in South Carolina, the reason that you did a quiet time, like have you done your quiet time? You've done your devotions? Uh, When I can see that clearly now is um, that was the whole hustle culture applied to the Christian tradition of going, do that so that then you can dwell. Mm -hmm. Like it was an achievement thing even then. Are you going to church so then you can be in the light of God? So if you take hustle culture out of it, the power of the ritual of prayer 
or going to scripture or going to church is actually much more powerful because then it awakens you to the goodness that you were already in and it awakens in you all the places in your life where that was true, but you missed it. Like I think about um, what ritual and spiritual practices that I engage in now, if you take performance out of it, achievement out of it, Mm -hmm. you actually... Those are guiding practices to awaken you to what is true that you can't see often. They're invitations to slow down, yes. to return you to source. Yes. Yeah. Imagine how prayer changes when instead of thinking, how do I say the right thing? You simply say, I'm going to show up and be with God, right? This is why I think contemplative prayer really changed my life <laughs> when I fell into it. It was like, is just to sit and be with God and let God be with me and to be conscious about that in an active way for a small period of time so that when I leave contemplative prayer, I realize that that's actually always happening. It's not more true when I'm not doing, when I'm doing contemplative prayer than when I'm not. It's just that in the ritual of sitting there, I am awakening myself to what's true all the time because the light is and the light is in me and in you. So rituals are those things that invite us to come back to that place where we know and see and sometimes feel, but not all the time, that those things are true. It's uh, how I talk about what we're going to do here in a minute. Jeannie and I are going to come to this table and we're going to host communion. Every Tuesday we have uh, chapel and before COVID we would have uh, communion with our PHPS students. Uh, We would have communion in chapel once a month. And The way that I understand table is that in this table, this sacrament awakens us to the reality that every table that we ever sit at is holy and sacred. It's in this bread and cup that we come to recognize that there is no place that is apart from God. So then uh, rituals actually take on the form of everything that you do. How you wake up in the morning and greet your kids is a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. How you uh, live with your coworkers is a spiritual practice. How uh, you have dinner, how you talk to your spouse, how you go about your work, like everything is a spiritual practice. Yeah. It then awakens in me the wisdom um, that we have been a part of, right? So going to scripture is less of, see, I was right and this person is wrong and they're going to get theirs with God. And much more of a, oh, how am I living out of this goodness over and over and over again? Where am I choosing death instead of life? Yes. Where is God in this? Yeah. Is that how you see spiritual practices? Yes. Yeah. And for for me, it's scripture in particular is just this collection of a bunch of people who are trying to get wisdom Mm. and who do it in a whole bunch of different ways. Right. Uh, What happens? What happens when you choose this? What happens when you choose that? And in the pursuit of wisdom, it's this big mess. Right. Of the good and evil mixing all together. And what a great comforting thing to know that humans have done it differently and gotten mixed results just like I do, and that the thing that's most constant is that God is present and that the light is and that you can always come back to it. You can always awaken to it, regardless of where you find yourself on your choices between life and death. 
and light and dark and you know, good and evil that's within us and around us. So we want to share a secret with you uh, in closing this time together. And our secret is uh, how we each approached this sermon series. So this sermon series gave birth when we were having uh, coffee at White Rock um, months and months and months ago, which this feels very much like a coffee at White Rock uh, with you right now. Um, And I said, Danielle, my goal, my prayer in this series is less of trying to convince people that this way of being is right. Like, this series is less about saying, um, I'm going to change your mind about everything that you've ever come to know about faith. And much more about my prayer is, I want to give witness to what I have come to know to be true. Yes. Because if I give witness to what I have come to know to be true in my own life, that truth may awaken something that you've been holding on to for a long time. And if it's true, it's true. Mm-hmm. So, friends, my prayer in this series is I have really wanted to give witness to the power of goodness and God in my life. And my prayer has been, I don't want to change your mind. I just hope what has been true for me has awakened something that you have carried so long that you'll trust it in your own life. What was your prayer in this series? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll echo that by saying, I think I, I believe this more deeply than I believe anything. Um, this is at the heart of everything I feel that I know to be true about God, mm-hmm. is that God uh, loves us more deeply than we can possibly know. Um, and that we, we see the tip of the iceberg when it comes to how much God loves not only us, but all of creation. And so my prayer has been that in the course of this series, the way that we've been trying to have conversations about the way that we see God in all these different ways, that you would come to know in some small way that God loves you more than you thought five weeks ago, that you would awaken in some small way to the largesse of God's love for you. And particularly my prayer has been that when you doubt that love, that you would question your own doubt. That in that moment you would say, what if that's not true? And what if actually the light is? And God's love is, and my belovedness, regardless of how I'm feeling in this moment, is and that that is, in fact, the truest thing about me. Um, because I know for in my life, the times when I can dwell in that and reconnect to that golden thread of belovedness and blessing, I can most shine that light, right? Or at least I can, I can most feel like that light is shining on me, and that helps. Mm. So that's my prayer for you, is that you would just simply know that God loves you more than you can imagine. What would change about the world if every sermon's goal was that every hearer knew that God loved them more than when they started the sermon? He would change the world. You'd think that pastors would be better at that (laughs) than sometimes we've been, right? So friends, uh, thank you for trusting us uh, to be guides along this journey. We want to invite you to live the good life, to start with goodness. Even the places in your life where you feel like you want to resist that, like, I don't know, lean into it. Start with goodness. For we believe what the text says, 
you were made by goodness, for goodness. And when God made you, God declared you very good. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for the gift of this good news, for the gift of light that shines in all places. Awaken us, O God, to the light of our lives and the light of the world found even here and now. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.